Hey, you found us. This is a podcast of Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado, just north of Denver. We here at CVL firmly believe that community is built, not found, that it's local, not virtual. So we encourage everyone to find a local church and help them build their community and be a service to them. With that said, we pray that these podcasts supplement and not replace your spiritual journey. If you'd like to learn more about us at CVL, you can check us out on Facebook or on the web at carbonchurch.com, or even better, stop by in person. We worship at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. May the Lord bless your day. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, your brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful weekend. I am overjoyed that you're joining me, uh, and we're continuing to kind of walk through the book of Matthew. Over the past uh, about four or five weeks, we've looked at, at different readings from the book of Matthew, and specifically, Lots and lots of parables of Jesus that he was teaching at the very end of his life. And so today, uh, we're continuing that path. We're looking at Matthew chapter 22 and, and one more parable from Jesus directed to the chief priests and elders in the temple. What's the greatest invitation, biggest invitation you've ever sent out in your life? You should think about it. In a minute, there's there's grand openings for businesses, right? Uh, maybe you you've had a, a big blowout birthday. Maybe it was your your fortieth birthday or something like that. Um, there, there's all kinds of invites that we send out. Maybe it's for a baby shower. For me, the biggest invite that I ever extended was for my wedding. And I'm going to say this: that invitation was sent out kind of in two different parts. So the first one was specifically to my now wife Jamie. I was going to invite her to marry me. And it took a lot of planning, especially for a young guy in college, right? Uh, so I had planned this back about six months ahead of time. I had, I had put everything in place because this was going to be the invitation that she could not say no to. And so all the way ahead of time, I had, I had kind of planned and decided that this was going to happen at her house in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And so I loaded up uh, my pickup truck with my motorcycle, and I drove the about four or five hours to Eau Claire. And before I got to her house, I unloaded the motorcycle kind of secretly in the woods, hid it back in there, uh, and pulled up. Said hi to Jamie. Everything was was uh, kind of normal. I was playing it cool, right? I didn't want anyone to know what was going on. That night, I asked her to go on a walk with me, and we walked around the corner, and lo and behold, what did we find in the woods? Ah, my motorcycle. This was it. My plan was working perfectly. So we got on the motorcycle, and I said, let's go Let's go to a beach, a local beach. I think by this point, my trickiness and my my deception was, was up. I think she knew exactly what was happening, uh, but she was a good sport. She played along. So while we rode that motorcycle down to the beach, I got down on one knee and I invited my wife, I invited Jamie to marry me. Now, the only thing that I would have probably done different is when you're that nervous and you're gonna ask a woman to marry you, it's kind of sketchy to ride a motorcycle. So luckily I didn't crash, luckily everything went well. And the best part about it is she said yes. She accepted my invitation to get married. In my life, that's the biggest invitation I've ever put out there. And you're praying, you're hoping, and you, you have some indication, but, but every part of your ounce in your being is praying that she accepts that invitation 
an invitation not just to love now, but an invitation to love into the future. That's really what marriage is, isn't it? It's not just an invitation for a momentary love at a wedding, at a time, in a place, but it's an invitation and it's a promise for continuing love all the way into the future. And I think maybe that's a good way for us to look at this invitation that Jesus talks about in our parable here today. He uh, reminds the Pharisees and us here today about the invitation that was extended at his cross. And it was not just a one-time invitation, but it is an ongoing one. It's not just the love that he showed us at the outpouring of that cross, but it is the ongoing love that is poured out for you and I day after day after day until we enter that wedding feast with him someday. And so today, we are going to talk about an invitation, the greatest invitation that we could ever receive. But we want to talk about how that invitation travels as well. So not just a momentary time, but how that invitation is meant to travel to everyone and all of those in our lives. And so that'll simply be our theme today, uh, an invitation that travels. Now, our text, we've got to set the setting just a little bit because we've been kind of ongoing through the book of Matthew. And this is actually the third of three parables that Jesus has been speaking to uh, the chief priests, the elders, the Pharisees who had gathered around him in the temple. Now, understand the historical setting of what's going on here. And the reason we do this is because... Scripture never speaks in a vacuum. It doesn't just speak to someone somewhere, although it does speak to our hearts here and now. But all of Scripture is is spoken to a, an audience and in a time and in a historical setting and for a purpose. And God weaves all of these things together. He knits them together in the pages of Scripture for our benefit. And so today's text takes place at a specific time, and it is addressed to specific people who were listening to Jesus. Our parable today happens to take place on Tuesday of Holy Week. So uh, nearly half of the Gospels are dedicated just to the last week of Jesus' life. We call that Holy Week. That extends from Palm Sunday all the way through Easter Sunday. We are on Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus has already cleared out the temple. There were money changers there. There were those that were using the church and the temple as a way to get rich. They were actually extorting pilgrims that were coming in from all over the world, Jews that were were faithful and orthodox and had come in. Um, Extortion was happening in that temple worship. Jesus had driven them out of the temple. That had created an uproar. And now on Tuesday, He's back in that temple, so back in a public place, and he continues to teach about why he is there and where he is going in three days' time. Today in our lesson, chief priests, elders, and Pharisees are who are listening to him. And it's really remarkable because Jesus takes three parables. He takes time out of his day to try to to win these Pharisees back whose hearts were hardening as they spoke against Jesus, who were actively scheming for ways to drive Jesus to the cross. Even in these last moments, even in these last days, Jesus is doing everything he can to turn them from the path that they were on. So if we talk about an invitation, Jesus is literally screaming it to them, saying, please accept this invitation. Recognize your sinfulness. Repent. Turn from the path that you're walking on. All three of these parables have a a distinct tone of that where Jesus is doing anything he can to try to turn them from the path that they were on. 
And so that's who Jesus is speaking to. And we're going to think about it in the, in these terms, kind of, uh, kind of an, an inside out invitation in this parable and kind of an inside out, inside out lesson. So we've got, uh, some of you maybe that are listening to this sermon here today. Maybe you're very, very new to Christianity. Maybe you're still trying to, to, um, work out everything that Jesus is and, and all of the things that are engaged in this. Um, and so follow along with us because by the end here, we're, we're addressing you, but today Jesus starts with those who are presumably in the church. So he's talking to Pharisees, chief priests, elders, those who knew the old Testament and knew God's word. And so that's what we're going to look at here today. We start kind of from the inside and Jesus ends us on the outside um, sometimes he'll start on the outside and work back towards the inside. But today, that's the path we're going to take. So inside out, as Jesus speaks to us, speaks to our hearts, and ultimately then to the world around us, which des- desperately needs to hear his gospel and in- invitation. So let's look at our text. I'm going to begin with verses 1 through 4. And you're welcome to follow along with me on the screen or simply listen to me as I read these opening t- opening verses. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. The invitation had been sent. And so when I talk about we're kind of working this text from the inside out, that invitation had been sent out to these individuals. Now, understand a wedding banquet at that time during Jesus' time. This was a big deal. Not that our weddings aren't big deals. They're pretty extravagant as well. Uh, But this would have been a multi-day event. This would have been a huge banquet. This would have been something that, that would have been at great cost to the person that was offering it and was setting it up. And in this instance, it's the king. So you've been invited to the banquet of the king. And there's nothing you need to bring. There's nothing you need to do. Everything is literally ready. In fact, our text says that 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 invitation had been sent out. So presumably those who had been invited had already said, yep, we're going to be there. But when it came time for the banquet, no one was showing up. And so the king did what would have come naturally. He sent his servants out to those who had been invited and had indicated that they were going to come, that they had wanted to come to this banquet. He sends his servants out to them and they've got no interest, right? They they refuse that invitation. And so he sends out his servants a second time and he says, don't you know everything is ready? Everything's been prepared, right? My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered. The food is on the table. It is set for you. And you've indicated that you wanted to come. What's holding you back? Jesus reiterates that that invitation had been sent out. And it's to a banquet that would have had far greater luxuries than anything that they could have encountered. And yet for various reasons, they don't come, right? For various reasons, they don't pay any attention. Now, maybe that was based on the invitation. So if you receive an invitation, it it matters a little bit from whom and to what you're being invited, 
right? So if you receive an invitation to a family member's wedding, you receive that in one way. If you receive an invitation from the IRS, maybe you receive it in a little different way, right? So the the invitation matters. And in fact, I think in our lives, we'll receive invitations to a lot of things. And we kind of go through the cost benefit analysis in our own head. We say, okay, um, are we available? Um, do we have time? Do we have the energy? Or what's expected when I go there? What's the distance? What are all the parameters that are involved with this invitation? I got a buddy that's got an incredible shirt that says uh, something to the, the effect of, uh, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come, which I, I think is a kind of a hilarious shirt, right? But we sometimes do that. We make those, those mental calculations in our mind of whether or not we're going to accept this invitation and what is involved if we go. Well, in this instance, it was the king and it was a banquet. And there was nothing expected and everything was prepared. This was an invitation of grace and mercy, purely that. Um, no strings attached, nothing that you had to bring. And so it's amazing the reaction from the servants to the invitation that the king had extended. Listen to them as they continue on in verses five, five through seven. It says, but they paid no attention and they went off, one to his field, another to his business, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And so the reactions are kind of incredible, isn't it? Remember, they had already accepted this invitation. They had said and indicated they were going to come. Right? They, they knew everything and all the parameters about it. And yet when the servants actually came and when the time actually came for them to show up, they didn't. They had all kinds of different excuses. And you could kind of break down their responses into two different areas. Either they were indifferent or they were hostile. And I don't think it's hard for us to see that in our lives and in the invitation of the gospel in our world. Sometimes when we share Christ with those who don't know him, we receive those two reactions, either indifference or hostility, right? So in the world around us, our gospel invitation will at times be received with indifference or hostility. But what's really fascinating here and why we need to understand the setting and why we're working from the inside out is Jesus is talking and telling this parable to insiders. So this actually right here and now, um, contextually speaking, is not about our invitation to the unbelieving world around us, which at times will react with indifference or hostility to the message we have. This invitation is to people that are on the inside. It's to you and I. It's to those within the church, those of us that have heard who know who Jesus is, which makes it even more remarkable, doesn't it? that insiders, those who know Jesus and this gospel, would react with indifference and hostility. And yet, we can maybe see that in our own hearts. And in fact, I think that's what Jesus is encouraging us to examine. How do we receive this invitation of the gospel? Is it with joy? And is it with love and is it with grace and is it with mercy? And, and do we, we long to, to be there at that banquet? Or have our hearts slowly started to turn away from Christ and that invitation? 
do we increasingly react with indifference and hostility to the gospel invitation we hear on a regular basis from Jesus and his word? And I think if we're being honest, there are times when we are absolutely on that path. Maybe a good example is what I often see in married couples when they come to me. So I've been in ministry 18 years and I've had lots and lots of couples that have come and who are struggling in their marriage and in their love for one another. Lots that have come to me that have accepted that invitation and promised to love not only at the moment of their marriage and their wedding, but promised to love into the future. But when they come to me, they're struggling. And what's interesting is usually I find one of those two things are going on from each and each one of them, the husband and the wife. There is either a level of indifference that is set in or a level of hostility. And to be honest, both are deadly to that marriage. Both will, if left to their own accord, will pull that marriage apart and lead them out of each other's arms and into the arms of others and the world around them. If something doesn't change, if indifference and hostility are allowed to run its course in our hearts towards Jesus and towards our brothers and sisters in Christ around us, if we let that on its natural course, it will drive us from the love of our Savior, from the grace and from the banquet that he has laid out for us. That's essentially what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, chief priests, and elders. And it's what he's saying to you and I. He's saying that, at least in that moment, because he knows what's going to happen in three days' time. He knows in three days he will be arrested and nailed to a cross. If we want evidence of what indifference and hostility can do in the hearts of a Christian and in the lives of us, we need look no further than what was physically happening to Jesus during Holy Week. These same Pharisees and elders, Jesus was trying to turn them from their path. Sadly, many of them would persecute Jesus and eventually lead to his arrest and his death on the cross. And yet, at that cross, we find God's greatest mercy. In fact, Maybe that's the irony of what was happening with Jesus talking to this, these Pharisees. The very hostility that they were pointing at Jesus would end up being the grace and the mercy that, was pos- that made it possible for them to be saved, forgiven, and loved. And that's where our invitation comes from. It comes from Christ. And it comes from his cross. And the only cure for our indifference and for our hostility is to look at the cross and to understand the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. It's to repent, to turn from the path that we're on and back towards God's grace and his mercy. And what do we find when we look there? We find acceptance, we find value, we find love, and we find eternal forgiveness. It's at the cross that that banquet and that invitation is set before us. It's at the cross that we find without a shadow of a doubt that we will be in eternity with our God someday, that we will dine with our Lord and Savior 
at that heavenly wedding banquet, not because of who we are, what we've done, uh, where we come from, whether we are an insider or an outsider, but because of Jesus Christ and his mercy and his grace. And we find it in no other place other than the cross. And so if you want to turn from your path, then let us dine on the grace and the mercy that we find in Jesus Christ. He loves you unconditionally. He always has and he always will. That invitation extends from the cross into your hearts and into your lives. That invitation opens up our hearts to understand the grace and the mercy and the the generosity that our God has for us. Generosity greater than anything that we can imagine. But here's kind of the amazing thing of Jesus' parable. He doesn't just stop there with the insiders trying to turn their hearts from the path that they were on. He doesn't just stop with you and I and say, reminding us of the gospel message and the grace that you have. He goes to us and he turns our hearts and then sends us out. Because lo and behold, that banquet feast isn't meant just for you and I. It's meant for every last man, woman, and child in this world. He sends this invitation into your hearts with the intention that that invitation through us will travel. It will be sent out to the people that are in our lives. So listen how Jesus continues on then in this parable, which would have been astounding to the audience that he was speaking to. Verse 8. Then Jesus said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as, well as the good. The wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This last section is a kind of an interesting parallel because Jesus does two sides of a coin. The first is, is he sends these servants out to the roads, to the streets, to the crossroads. He sends these servants out with this invitation to this kingly banquet to everyone anyone that they would find. Essentially, what he is saying to these Pharisees is, I'm sending this grace. My grace and mercy are going to extend to people that you consider outsiders. He's speaking to insiders, saying this message is meant for not only you, but for those that are on the outside looking in. And then it ends with kind of an interesting little section where there is a man who makes it into the wedding banquet, yet he's not wearing the right clothes, which may sound a little bit odd to us, but here's the point of this. You can only enter eternity through God's mercy, never through your own merit, okay? Always through mercy, never through merit. And that's exactly what this man was attempting to do. He showed up, but instead of being robed in the royal dress that was provided by the king, uh, the robes of Christ and the forgiveness that we have in him, instead of putting that on, the man refused and decided to try to enter the kingdom of God through his own works, through his own abilities, through his own merits. What does Jesus say? You aren't going to make it. You can't come in that way. 
The kingdom of God is not entered by the work of our hands, by how good we are, by the things we do or we don't do. Heaven and that eternal banquet never has been and never will be earned by merit. It always has been and always will be by God's mercy and the grace we have in Jesus Christ. And so that's Jesus' point. The outsiders are getting in because of grace. The insiders are being kept out because of their own work, righteous attitude. In fact, he said that a couple parables prior. He said to these same people, the the prostitutes and tax collectors are entering heaven ahead of you. He basically is saying the exact same thing to them here. Because entering heaven is not about who you are, where you've come from, or what you've done. It's about Christ and what he's done and his grace and his mercy. Robed in Christ's mercy, we enter our heavenly banquet. That's the message of Christ. That's the message Jesus was desperately trying to get across to those who were listening to him. And that's the message that in three days' time would be sealed through Jesus' death and his resurrection and would go out to the entire known world. That message of grace, which started what we would consider as insiders, which started with the Israelites, would then go out to the Gentile nations throughout the entire Mediterranean. And how does that invitation go out? It goes out through you and I. goes out through believers who dine and eat of God's grace on a regular basis. God uses us to extend that invitation to everyone. And think about your roads and streets. Think about going out and, and being the servants who get to, to go out into those roads and streets on behalf of the king and simply tell the outsiders and those that are working hard, that are, that are out on the outskirts, the king has a banquet and he wants you to come. Imagine for a minute being those servants, the joy that it would have been. That's you. That's me. We are those servants. We have that joy of of sharing Christ and, and the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity to go out into our roads and our streets and share the good news that no matter where you come from in Christ, you are forgiven, you are loved, and you are valued. And so where are your roads and streets Maybe a good definition is anywhere where you are in consistent contact with people. And maybe think through in your mind just a little bit. In fact, do that. What places, what roads and streets, where are you regularly in contact with people who desperately need to hear about the banquet invitation from Jesus Christ? Maybe it's at school, right? Maybe it's at school with your classmates. Maybe if you've got little ones, it's at your kid's school, your regular interaction with other parents. Maybe it's at work with coworkers, people that you interact with on a daily basis and not just chit chat about wildfires and the Broncos or the changing weather, but real discussions about life, death, struggles within our our lives, right? Maybe it's on the sideline at your kid's soccer game uh, maybe it's on a hike or, or it's um, with your friends at parties or other invitations you've been invited to. But for a moment, just think of all of the roads that you are on. And most importantly, think of all the people that you come in contact with. Brothers and sisters, that's your mission field. 
as servants of God, those are the people that we get to extend that invitation to the wedding banquet and to the feast of Jesus Christ. What a joy that is. That that invitation that we have, that we cherish, that we love so dearly, isn't meant just for us. It's meant for every single person that we come into contact with. And it's our privilege to be able to share it. Because we have an invitation that travels. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon that uh, my invitation for that wedding kind of had two parts. The first was to Jamie, and thankfully she said yes. So I'm like, okay, check, that's done. The second is an actual invitation to the wedding. So Jamie and I were married December 31st, 1999, which was, I know at least at first blush, a little bit of an odd date to pick, Uh, but there were no other halls open. And so we decided, okay, we're gonna get married on Y2K. And to be honest, I I wasn't exactly sure how that invitation would be received, right? Uh, And I think, On some level, I overestimated how exciting my family and friends were because I thought in my mind, well, who's going to come to a a wedding on Y2K? Surely they've got all kinds of parties that they're going to go to. Surely they're going to party like Prince, like it was literally 1999. Um, Most of our people aren't going to be able to come. And so we sent out these invitations and we took the the normal um, invitation rejection rate, which they say is like between 17 to 20 percent people that just won't be able to come, can't come, don't want to come. Um, But I kind of mentally increased that a little bit because I thought, you know what, it's just kind of a hard night. Now, add to that that it happened to be in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, western Wisconsin uh, in December. And I thought, okay, the weather for sure is going to pick some people off. Um, Add to that that all the hysteria that went around with Y2K. um, And I I thought, okay, for sure, I've got a few friends that are like stocking up on water and and are in their basement just in case the whole world dissolves, right? And so on some level, I think I expected it to be a little bit more of an intimate wedding when we sent out that invitation. And and maybe that's why we sent out a lot of invitations, probably on some level, maybe more than we should have. But kind of an amazing thing happened. People accepted the invitations and they came. And then more people came. And then somehow our invitation, I think, grew legs and had a little bit of a life of its own because by the end, by the time we actually celebrated that wedding, we had far more people there than we had physically even sent out invitations. And I would blame probably a large portion of it on my younger brother and all of his buddies because they were bringing plus ones, twos, and threes of their buddies to our wedding. But regardless, that invitation kind of went out and it grew legs, and lots of people showed up. But to be honest, in retrospect, it brings an incredible joy and smile to my face. I'm kind of happy that there were all kinds of wedding crashers at my wedding. It was maybe part of the most enjoyable thing, part of it, aside from getting married to my wife. That party, that celebration, went well into the early hours, long after Jamie and I retired because that invitation had legs, because people received it with joy and wanted to be a part of it. On a far greater level, that's the invitation we have that we get to extend to the unbelieving world around us, to those who desperately need to hear of this heavenly banquet in Jesus Christ. I pray that our invitation that has changed our hearts, that has changed your hearts, 
Let us pray that that invitation has legs, that it travels, that it extends to people that we, we never would have expected. That comes through us, through our invitation of inviting them, going out to the roads and the streets. We thank God for that heavenly banquet. It's assured because of Jesus Christ, not because of what we've done, who we are, or where we've come from. And let us give thanks to God that we are able to share that invitation with a world that so desperately needs it. Amen.